The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Disney Decipher, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. On today's episode, we talk about my recent trip over Marathon Weekend and lessons learned that can help you as you're planning your future trips. Find all episodes of this podcast at DisneyDecipher.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere you find podcasts. And we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us positive reviews. If you'd like to support the podcast, check us out for bonus content at patreon.com slash DisneyDecipher, or you can support the podcast at no cost to you by using me as your travel agent. If you're planning a Disney trip, I can do all the hard work for you, and it won't cost you anything. Get started by emailing josephchung at travelmation.net. If you have any questions for the podcast, Email us DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, tweet at us at WWDeciphered on Twitter, or find us on our Facebook and Instagram pages, DisneyDeciphered. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from As the Joe Flies. And I'm Leslie from Trips with Tykes. And welcome back to Disney Deciphered. So I am back from Marathon Weekend. I ran the half marathon. So Leslie and I thought we would do a trip report, kind of just focusing on the things that you need to know if you're going to Disney World anytime in the next couple months. Uh, Hopefully some actionable intelligence that you can use. Uh, I will start, Leslie. You know, I didn't write this on the agenda, but uh, Leslie was up with me. It was 1 a.m. my time. And 10 p.m. Leslie's time. And do you want to uh, let folks in on what the issue I had the first night I was there? <laughs> I you forgot, can... actually, until we just started That's talking. right. We need to talk about this because it was epic Disney IT meltdown. Like, neither of us, two Disney, I guess, self-proclaimed experts, neither of us were able to purchase Genie Plus on your Disney app. It was not working and we looked everywhere and I knew where to look and at first I was like oh Joe's looking in the wrong place you know what an idiot like I'll find it no I could not find it like the app was convinced that you had already purchased Genie Plus which you had not and I think it was maybe reading your old Genie Plus purchase from your previous trip and kind of like not getting itself knocked out of that loop and just couldn't get you a purchase at that hour which was crazy. Yeah, truly amazing stuff. So we kind of struggled over it for about 45 minutes. By the way, I just checked my app. It still thinks I have Genie Plus. I can't buy it right now if I wanted to. So that's great. It was a bit ridiculous. The workaround I ended up doing was I logged in as my wife, who is friends with me, and I bought Genie Plus for myself on her account. So when you go to buy Genie Plus, you can choose who you're buying it for. And since I'm friends with her, I was able to select myself. So that's how I got Genie Plus for myself. I checked in with uh, Amy Downs Rakes, who is from the Ways to Save for Disney Facebook group, and she said this is a known problem. In case you are the 1% who this happens to, you'll know it's a problem if you go to My Day on your app and there's a purple bar that says My Disney Genie Plus Features instead of Upgrade Your Day or something like that. Upgrade Your Day is what it should normally say because you click that and you buy Genie Plus from that. But for me, it says My Disney Genie Plus Features because, like Leslie said, it acts like I have Genie Plus already. So just... Truly, truly amazing Disney IT right there. I spoke to the Blue Umbrellas about that, and they were like, huh, that's weird. 
and they had never seen it either. So what are you going to do? At least I know the workaround. Yeah. Do you know whether it's a problem for just annual pass holders or whether this is happening happening with regular tickets as well? Yeah, I don't know for sure. I'm guessing it's probably an annual pass holder thing. I, I don't even care at this point. That, that's the bottom line. As long as I know how to get around it, uh, I'm good. Fair point. So definitely have a login for somebody else in your family just as a backup, I guess. Yeah, and you don't even have to have a login for someone else in your family. You can have a second login for yourself as long as you friend yourself on My Disney Experience. So we've spent three minutes on this issue that probably will affect maybe two people who have ever listened to this. So let's move on. I uh, stayed at Pop Century and I did online check-in with Touring Plants room request and did not get my room request. I It may be because... Three days before my trip, I changed my dates and checked in a day early. But I was thinking, Leslie, I put in my check-in time as my actual check-in time, which was 9 p.m. But I was wondering if I'd put it in at 4 p.m., whether I would have gotten the better room that I requested. Same room type, standard room. You know, I wanted a room closer to the action, but I was put in the 1970s wing, which was kind of out of the way. It ended up being fine. I was thinking if I put my check-in time earlier, maybe they would have assigned me one of those better rooms. Like they had all filled up by like 9 p.m. or something. Yeah, that seems possible. But also, I think maybe your explanation that you changed dates, things were already jiggered in such a way that whatever room you would have wanted was long gone. Yeah, I think that's why the touring plans aspect of it didn't work. But um, yeah, tough to tell about Pop Century. I went to go talk to the front desk, but they weren't able to move me. And so that is what it is. The room itself was pretty nice. They are refurbished within the last five years or so. So they have a queen bed, they have a table, but there's a pull down other queen size bed that uh, you can pull down when you and replace the table with. The room is very clean. My favorite part of the room is I think there was at least 12 USB ports, Leslie, uh, the regular USB ports, not USB-C, but still all the charging you could want, you know, 12 USB ports, eight outlets, enough electricity to run a small city, Leslie. Yeah, I've stayed in the rooms since they were renovated. I think that was actually the last Disney World hotel that I stayed in before the pandemic. I like the renovations a lot. I mean, the rooms are still kind of tight with those two queen beds, but putting that one up is, you know, gives you some space and definitely feels like a more modern interior. So totally worth it for the kind of trip that you were taking where you're not going to be spending a lot of time at the hotel or really needing the amenities of a fancier place. Yeah. And I didn't use the pool, of course, because I was there on my own, but the pool is very big, spacious. There's two pools. Actually, I was right outside the quiet pool. That looked nice as well. It was very warm when we were there. So definitely if I had been there with my kids, you know, 70s, 80s, uh, we definitely could have swum. So that was nice. Dining is a food court. Uh, I did mostly mobile order at the food court and that worked very smoothly. I was pretty happy with that. I also walked over to uh, the Art of Animation food court uh, for a change of pace one day. And there were tables outside, so I happily ate outside the food court. I was originally planning on bringing stuff back to the room, but with the tables outside, I had plenty of space to eat and felt great doing that. So Pop Century, I would definitely recommend it, especially if you want to stay on site but are on a tighter budget. I've seen rates as low as $150. I can't remember exactly when I was looking. It must have been shoulder season time sometime. Maybe it's in January, like in a couple of weeks, um, since we're recording on Martin Luther King weekend. So with rates as low as 150 before tax, and I'm about to say how easy it was to rope drop using the Skyliner, I think uh, it's a great deal for you know anyone looking to stay on site with Disney, get that extra half hour, but still on a budget. 
Totally agree. All right. Well, let's talk about your rope dropping experience from Pop Century when you headed into the parks the next morning. My first day, my plan was to go to Hollywood Studios and Animal Kingdom. And Hollywood Studios opened at 9 a.m., which meant as an on-site hotel guest, I would be let in at latest 8.30. I mean, they say you'll be let in at 8.30. I woke up at 7 a.m., And I got a 9 a.m., which is the earliest you can get, Slinky Dog Dash Lightning Lane reservation. This is after, you know, spending the extra hour figuring out how to buy Genie Plus the night before or the morning before, I guess. After I got the Lightning Lane, Leslie, I went ahead and I texted you, even though you're asleep. And then, like, I tweeted about it. I was so proud, feeling myself, uh, and... (laughs) You know, pride comes before a fall, right, Leslie? We've talked about (laughs) that before. What did I forget to do right here? (laughs) You forgot to buy Rise of the Resistance. (laughs) Yes, I know. And it's funny because I was debating the whole time before my trip. I was like, do I want to pay? Like, I've ridden Rise of the Resistance quite a few times. So I was like, do I want to pay for it? Like, do I really need to pay for this experience that I've done before? But I was like, well, for the podcast, you know, I want to try to see if I can get both at the same time. But... I'm going to blame it on staying up for that extra 45 minutes trying to buy Genie Plus, but I totally forgot to buy Rise of Resistance. By 7.05, by the time I remembered, it was gone. Well, you saved yourself, you know, 15 bucks. So I guess all is well that ends well. (laughs) Yes, I saved $15 and valuable data point. 7.05 is too late, at least on a busy weekend like Marathon Weekend. So after that, I kind of hung out in the hotel room a little bit. And then at like 7.10, I was like, well, I got nothing to do. I read the sign the night before. It said that the Skyliner was going to open at 7.30. So I was like, well, I might as well go line up for the Skyliner. Showed up at the Skyliner station by 7.15 and... When I got there at 7.15, I don't know if it had just started, but it was already moving. The line was maybe 50 people deep. It was running, you know, on the entire bridge. The whole bridge was filled up. If you know Pop Century and Art of Animation, there's a bridge between the two resorts and the Skyliner Station is right in the middle of that bridge. So the entire bridge was filled up, but... At 7.15, it was moving. I was on the Skyliner by like 7.25 latest, maybe even earlier than that. I mean, that line really moved. Of course, I had to share the Skyliner with another party, but I was happy to get on really quickly. I was at Caribbean Beach Resort before 7.30, again, the time that the Skyliner is theoretically supposed to open. And I was afraid that when I got to Caribbean Beach Resort, there would be a huge line because you have the people coming from Pop Century and Art of Animation, plus the people from Caribbean Beach lining up for Hollywood Studios. But again, same thing. I was in that line for less than five minutes. So really, I was getting off the Skyliner at Hollywood Studios by 7.40 the latest and i was already waiting by the tap styles by 749 750 so it was pretty efficient i thought that the skyliner might not be a good option for rope dropping but that felt pretty good yeah that does sound good so what time did they actually open hollywood studios yeah so i don't know if it was different because they still had a little bit of holiday crowds or whatever but they let us in by 755 or 8 definitely by eight o'clock they were letting people just kind of go wherever in the park and line up and what happened was as i was walking past one of the big boards that says the wait times for everything every single attraction said opening at 8 30 a.m including rise of the resistance which i was i was like considering rope dropping rise of the resistance except for millennium falcon smugglers run said five minutes for a standby wait time so i was like huh that's weird and so i walked past rise of the resistance the line was building up already i'm guessing that once like if i'd gotten into that line once that line started i would have had to wait 
maybe 20 minutes, but I was like, let me just go see, you know, again, I've been on Rise of the Resistance and I was still a little salty for not getting the individual lightning lane. So I was like, let me go to Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run. I got to the Millennium Falcon. It was me and like four other people standing around that courtyard. And the four of us, we just took pictures of each other in front of the Millennium Falcon. It hasn't been like that since Star Wars Galaxy's Edge first opened, Leslie. I got a picture with the Millennium Falcon with zero people in the background. That's awesome. Yeah, so pretty good. Put that on your Facebook profile or whatever. And then the four of us, we went to the cast members in front of Millennium Falcon and they're like, we just need to check on something for a minute. So they held us out there for like a minute. But by 8.10 or so, they're like, okay, you guys can go in. And, you know, the four of us plus another party, we were the first Millennium Falcon Smugglers Run ride of the day. So that felt pretty good. One of them was like, do you want to be the pilot? And I was like, no, I'm good. You know, I'm good being the engineer. So I went ahead, took my engineer spot as normal and rode on Millennium Falcon Smugglers Run, was off that by like 8.15, 8.20, walked straight over to Toy Story Land. And I got in line for Toy Story Mania. It seemed pretty accurate. All the other attractions did not open until 8.30. I heard someone saying later that Rise started around 8.15, 8.20, taking people, but they held us in that Toy Story Mania line until exactly 8.30, which is, you know, the early morning hours for Disney World for the on-site guests. And so at 8.30, they let us into Toy Story Mania. That was like a two-minute wait. And so that was pretty good. And that's when they started the Slinky Dog Dash line as well. So it seems like, at least at Hollywood Studios, they were letting people queue before 8.30, but they didn't start the attractions except for Star Wars Galaxy's Edge until 8.30 itself. Very, very good to know. So why don't you take us through the rest of your day? You got a lot accomplished before the early morning hours were even underway. So I already had Millennium Falcon Smugglers run done before early morning hours technically started. And then Leslie, I kid you not, at Toy Story Mania, I was like, please let this line be longer than 20 minutes. Please let this line be longer than 20 minutes. Because I was in and out of that ride by 8.42. And I knew that I couldn't get on Slinky Dog Dash until 8.55. And I'm just sitting there in Toy Story Land. I have nothing to do. Don't need to go to the bathroom. That means that... I was resigned to my fate. I had to ride Alien Swirling Saucers in honor of my son and my youngest daughter now. So I did ride Alien Swirling Saucers before Slinky Dog. And then at 8.55, I went to Slinky Dog and they did let me in for my lightning lane at 8.55. Immediately booked Tower of Terror after that. I saw Rock and Roller Coaster was an option. Turns out that was down all day. So if I had booked it, I would have gotten an anytime fast pass. Excuse me fast fast lightning lane that i could have used anywhere book tower i got tower for 9 30 so went straight to tower that was fine and then at that point i was like i'm pretty much done with hollywood studios i wanted to see the indiana jones stunt show but i wasn't going to wait till 12 for that to start so got one more lightning lane for star tours went to muppets 3d the line at muppets 3d was huge there's the hedges on the side of the theater they were totally filled with people i was like oh man muppets 3d what's going on Turns out that was overflow for the Rise of the Resistance queue. So rode Muppets 3D really quickly, rode on Star Tours. And then after Star Tours, I started getting lightning lanes for Animal Kingdom for that afternoon. And so the first one I booked was Kilimanjaro Safaris. So all this was before 10 a.m. And I was just totally done at Hollywood Studios. There were other attractions I could have done, but I was pretty happy with my morning. So these early morning hours continue to be a huge bonus for on-site guests. Yeah, that's a really solid start to the morning. I mean, I think 
everything did kind of hinge on getting that 9 a.m. Slinky Dog Dash return time. So that's important to do, I guess, if Slinky is a, a must ride. But yeah, I mean, you move through a lot of attractions pretty quickly. So well done. So you're saying well the bragging was justified. Thank you, Leslie. I appreciate it. It was. That. I no. absolve you of all guilt for forgetting to book Rise of the Resistance. <laughs> yes. Oops. I'm still embarrassed. Um, it is what it is. Yeah. So I should, uh, we've said this a few times, but the my method for uh, refreshing is I go to the tip board, I click into Slinky Dog Dash, and then I have time.gov open on my computer, and then at 6.59 and 59 and a half seconds, pretty much, I was just kind of like timing it by feel. I hit the LL button that's showing on Slinky Dog Dash. That brings me back to the tip board, but with Slinky Dog Dash at the top, immediately hit the Genie Plus icon and then immediately hit continue. You got to just click through as fast as possible. So I click, click, and it ended up working out well. So you're right. The whole morning hinged on getting that Slinky Dog Dash lightning lane. If I hadn't gone that, I probably would have just done another attraction first and then just let Slinky Dog Dash go. Like I said, I started getting lightning lanes for Animal Kingdom. I did have to go to the running expo for the half marathon to get my bib and stuff like that. So after Hollywood Studios, went to the running expo to get all my stuff. And then I went straight to Animal Kingdom. At Animal Kingdom, I I think at that point, two hours had passed. So I got a Navi River Journey lightning lane as well. So I went on Kilimanjaro Safaris. I went on Navi River Journey. One fun thing that happened on Kilimanjaro Safaris that I hadn't done before. You know, it was right in the middle of the afternoon. So I think a lot of the animals were sleeping and they were kind of chilling out. And I was like, oh, maybe they are more active in the morning, like people say, because I wasn't seeing as many animals. And then, Leslie, you know, like when you come out into that African savanna where like all the giraffes are supposed to be, and normally you see like six, seven, eight giraffes. So I came out onto that or we came out onto that and there was like only one giraffe there. It was bizarre. I don't know if like, You've experienced something like that, but it was just weird to have only one giraffe when you normally see like a ton. Yeah, I don't think I've seen that few before. So I wonder if you just got unlucky or if there is something to the time of day situation. I I usually ride Kilimanjaro in the morning now that I think of it, but I've also ridden it late, late in the day. I don't think I've ever ridden it sort of in the middle. Well, Leslie, that one giraffe turned out to be probably the most interesting experience that I had on Kilimanjaro that day because we were driving along and what I never noticed is like kind of on the left side of where we were driving, there was like a hill. I heard this rustling in the brush and in front of us to the left on that hill, I was like, oh, there's a giraffe like up on that hill. It's just up there. And then all of a sudden the giraffe just starts bounding down the hill. It was like galloping down the hill and then this galloping giraffe just gallops right in front of the truck and all credit to our guide. He was like super chill about it. Like he didn't even hit the brakes hard or anything. The giraffe cleared us with plenty of time. And then this, uh, you know, I should know, I don't know what a herd of giraffes is called. I know there's like a special name for them. My kids have a book with all the like, you know, gaggle of geese and stuff like that. But there was like three or four giraffes. They all came bounding down the hill. So this group of giraffes just was like sprinting down the hill. Like there were having some sort of race or something like that. So that was pretty cool, Leslie. That is super cool. And what you saw was a tower of giraffes. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> I should have known. I should have known you would know. So No, uh, I Googled it. I Googled it really quickly. Oh, wow. You're fast. You are fast. You are fast. So after that, uh, I was pretty much done with Animal Kingdom. Expedition Everest is closed for refurbishment right now. I wasn't going to wait in the Flight of Passage line. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't write this down, but... 
I was so upset about not getting Rise of the Resistance that I bought a Flight of Passage individual Lightning Lane. That did feel pretty good, getting past uh, all those people. That was a long line. It was like over an hour when I was there. So I did ride Flight of Passage uh, instead of Rise of the Resistance. So I did spend, I think it was $12 on that Lightning Lane. Or maybe it was 14 It was probably 14 And that was fine. And then, Leslie, I did make it to Kite Tales. And it was pretty great. It was everything that you hoped for? I mean, I thought in my head I like hyped it up too much, but I got to say like, even from like a non-disaster perspective, so these kites are huge, the floats, and at some, at points they like skim the water and they're like actually hitting the water and you're like, are they going to be able to pull them up in time? And then of course, you know, what's really well known by now is like the way they land the kites, quote unquote, is they just crash them into an empty part of the stands. That part was really exciting and was a lot of fun, but I got to say like, I saw the Lion King uh, version of it, and I really dug the music because, I mean, Lion King music, who doesn't love it? And there's something about those jet skis speeding around each other in circles with gigantic floats being dragged behind them. It was a little bit nerve-wracking in like a good kind of adrenaline-pumping way, maybe like the same way you might feel if someone is like walking a tightrope or something like that. And the music was a lot of fun. So, you know, I think it's a perfectly great way to spend 20, 30 minutes at Animal Kingdom. I'm sure my kids would have loved it. In fact, I showed them the video. They did love it. It is not a spectacular, but it is definitely worth checking out at least once. All right. Well, glad you got to give it a try, and I can't wait to see it myself. Before we get into your day two and your marathon, or half marathon, I guess, any lessons sort of from that first day of combining Hollywood Studios and Animal Kingdom? Yeah, so my first lesson is don't mess around at 7 a.m. You're going to be tired at 6.50 or so. Review in your head what your plan is. If you're, of course, working with a partner, review who's going to be working on what. Make sure you know like what time individual lightning lane you want to get for rise of resistance or whatever individual lightning lane you're getting make sure you know what genie plus you're going for don't mess around if you do miss out on say slinky dog at 9 a.m remember that the clock doesn't start on your lightning lanes until the park opens so if you don't get one of the scarce ones first you kind of have time to think through uh what your plan is going to be but really be focused at 7 a.m don't mess around like i did and then another thing was you know, those Hollywood Studios times, they really do push out pretty quickly, as we've been talking about with Genie Plus. Now, if you're there for a full day, you can use shows to take up some of that time, but not in the morning because the shows don't start till like 1030 or so. Um, so just, that's just something to bear in mind. I had to do a lot of refreshing to get even a Star Tours time at 1030, which is when I wanted it a little bit earlier. Tower of Terror, I had to refresh as well to get it for 930. That wasn't as hard. You know, Hollywood Studios, there's less attractions. It's going to push out really quickly. Kind of the last thing is with Genie Plus and rope dropping, you really can get a lot done either if you're going to Animal Kingdom or Hollywood Studios, or you can do both like I did. And you really, like we said, I was done by 10. You can just kind of take the rest of the afternoon easy and then swing back to the park at night. So I was just thinking about my family trip. We definitely could have done what I did, maybe at a little bit slower pace. Genie Plus plus rope drop really does work out pretty well, you know, even if you just buy it for like the one day. Awesome. All right. Well, let's get to day two. I presume you got a few hours of sleep before everything went crazy with Run Disney the next day. Yeah, we'll leave the Run Disney stuff till the end. And I'll just talk about really quickly what I did after the race. First, during the race at 7am, I remembered, oh, shoot, I need to book a lightning lane. So I 
originally booked Soren at Epcot because I was planning to go to Epcot that morning. But then I was like, I don't need a lightning lane for Soren. So I booked Jungle Cruise at around 7.15 a.m. I'm like trying to focus on running a half marathon, which this is like the ridiculous thing. But like at seven o'clock, I'm like, oh, shoot, I got to book a lightning lane. And so like I slowed down to a walk then. And then like I booked the Soren one. And then 10 minutes later, Leslie, I was like, I don't want Soren. So I had to go back into my app. I think I did it at a water stop. I don't I don't even know. But it was it's, it's a bit ridiculous. Okay, what Lightning Lane puts us through, Genie Plus. Totally, totally agreed. If you were not on Pacific Coast time, I was going to have you book it for me, but I, w- I wasn't going to ask you to wake up at 4 a.m. <laughs> to do it. Yeah, I would have done it at a reasonable hour, but not at that hour. Yeah, yeah. Although, like I said, if you're not getting the hot ones at 7 a.m., you do have more time. Like I could have booked it at 8 and it would have been fine. It wouldn't have affected you know, my clock on my next Lightning Lane allotment or anything like that you know after the race i was done with the race by like 8 30 or 9 throughout the day i was just booking lightning lane so i booked that jungle cruise one at 7 at 11 i booked peter pan and then at 1 i booked haunted mansion you know these this is what i was doing getting magic kingdom ready for myself i went to epcot in the morning but that was like more to meet up with a friend i did ride living with the land but you know, I was just riding living with the land because I just wanted to rest my legs. And I walked around a little bit of World Showcase just to kind of enjoy it and take it in. I checked out the shops in the UK. Oh, and I think I ate fish and chips at the UK. I was just in Epcot to just really hang out in Epcot. You know, the whole reason why I booked Epcot for half marathon day was just because I wanted to take it easy and not feel pressure to rope drop any of the parks. So I went to Epcot, then went to Magic Kingdom until my legs actually stopped working. Uh, My calves like just started really seizing up at around five or six, but got on a lot of attractions using these stacked lightning lanes. Um, So I had Jungle Cruise, Peter Pan, Haunted Mansion. Later, I got Small World, got Pirates. So I rode on those five attractions all via lightning lane. And, you know, that was pretty good. I think what I kind of learned with Genie Plus and Lightning Lane there, that was definitely at a pace that would have been fine for my kids. If you're going to spend money on Genie Plus, it really does lend for a more relaxed touring experience for the party. Just because you just know what ride you're going to, you're going from ride to ride, and you're not waiting in long lines for these rides. So I think it's just a much kind of... I guess you're paying to ease the stress of line waiting. The big caveat to that, of course, Leslie, is one person is taking on all the stress, figuring out what lightning lanes to book. But I really did appreciate just kind of being able to go from ride to ride without having to worry about lines. I think it it would have been really good for my family. Yeah. And I think as time goes on, we're going to understand these patterns a lot more. And so you're going to know what you need to book at what hour and what sort of your rough return time is going to be. So we're already starting to see that take shape. I mean, at least I see this at Disneyland. Even on day two, I wasn't spending that much time on my phone anymore. I knew what was coming. And, you know, it's a little more, a lot more variable actually at Disney World, but we're going to start to understand the patterns much, much better after a couple of trips. Yeah. And then the other thing was, you know, I said this on our Patreon trip report, but I was like de-deening it. Uh, if you go back to our trip report with D just a few episodes ago, you know, she likes to take it easy. She likes to people watch, go shopping a little bit. And so I wasn't too stressed when I didn't get a lightning lane. And of course, this is my Disney privilege because I go, you know, I was just there in November. But for example, the Pirates Lightning Lane, I got off Small World at 4.45 or got on Small World at 4.45 and I couldn't book Pirates until like 5.30 or so. But I was like, you know what? I'll just chill 
for that half hour and it was fine. So it just really allowed me to take it easy. And I was thinking about it, actually, if I was with my family, with my kids, like they probably would have needed to go to the bathroom or wanted to get popcorn or something or, you know, wanted to stop to see a cavalcade. So yes, we've talked before about doing the mad dash at Magic Kingdom and going ride to ride to ride, lightning lane, lightning lane, lightning lane. But Having half an hour or even an hour between lightning lanes wasn't too bad either because you can spend that hour just enjoying Magic Kingdom and when you get to the actual attraction, you know, you just walk in straight on. So it's it's a pretty good deal. Exactly. All right. Well, Joe, before we get to run Disney, you know, you said your your legs were done. So what did you do to try to rejuvenate your legs? What did you treat yourself to? Yeah, that's funny that you frame it that way. This is not okay. I did not I did not try to rejuvenate my legs with this. Thank you so much. But I was like, okay, Leslie, for the podcast, I'm gonna get this Cheeto dusted cheeseburger at Cosmic Race to just try it. You know, if you go back to our fiftieth food episode, uh, we talked about this Cheeto dusted it's a cheeseburger with mac and cheese on it, and then there's Cheeto dust encrusted into the bun. And folks I got to say, it tasted exactly like you think it would taste. If you think it's going to taste good, it tasted good. If you think it's going to taste like mac and cheese on a burger with Cheetos on top, (laughs) it tasted like that. So uh, I will say that I'm not going to get it again, but it was not the worst thing that I've ever eaten. It was fine. Okay. Well, thanks for taking one for the team. I paired it with with Walt's chili cheese fries. So it was just heart attack on a plate. Oh my gosh. That day. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, word of warning though, if you have asthma, okay, be careful with the Cheeto dust because it is very fine. It's much finer than normal Cheeto dust. And uh, I had coughed a few times inhaling that thing down. No pun intended. Um, a, A couple lessons learned from day two, you know, mobile ordering is still good, but it's not as good. I mobile ordered while I was on Jungle Cruise, a Dole Whip at Aloha Isle. And I, you know, thought I was going to be so cool and cut the line. But now like the entire line is mobile ordering, except for one small line for walk-ups. Now that walk-up line is still super slow, but I still had to wait in line for like five minutes to get my Dole Whip. Uh, It wasn't too bad, but you know, at Cosmic Rays, is a lot better. But I guess with Aloha Isle and the Dole Whip, they just make them to order. Like when you show up with your mobile order, like they don't make you wait. It's just like as soon as you say you're there, they say it's ready. But then you got to wait in that little line. Like I said, Genie Plus is very good for taking it easy in general throughout the day. It's still Genie Plus at Magic Kingdom is just a ton of value. There are so many attractions um, and it can just really make your day a lot easier. But uh, like I said, I started the day at Epcot. I didn't make any Genie Plus reservations at Epcot because I just didn't feel like it was worth it. It was much more worth it for me to stack the Magic Kingdom for the afternoon. All right. We have run a little bit of a half marathon here, but we still got one more half marathon to talk about. All right. I want to hear how it went. You finally get to do it. You finally uh, are in good enough physical shape and things aren't breaking <laughs> and you were able yes, to. Yes. yes. <laughs> so how'd it go? It went well. I went to the expo. There was like, I went to the expo on Friday. There was no merchandise left. You may have seen pictures of the expo the first day. It was a madhouse. I guess Run Disney merchandise is like very popular, close in popularity to figment popcorn buckets. There was no merch left when I got there, which I was a little disappointed about, but it, you know, it was fine. You get a t-shirt for running. The half marathon, I think it was about 200 bucks uh, after taxes and stuff like that, which is more expensive than most races. Like you could probably run a half marathon for like $60. You're just paying the Disney premium as normal. The race starts at 5 a.m. and it starts in Epcot. So I had to wake up at 3 a.m., 
I drove over to Epcot and sat in my car until like 4 or 4.10 and then walked to the start line. That was about a mile and a half walk. So thanks, Disney. You know, I had to walk all the way to Epcot from the parking lot, go through the security, and then walk all the way back out to the parking lot and then curve around one more time before I got to the starting corrals. And then when you're in the starting corrals, you're just kind of waiting with thousands of your closest friends. The nice thing is that I guess because it's Disney, when they start the race, they fire off some small fireworks. They let groups in in batches and they fire fireworks off for every batch. So it's not just like one starting gun. It's like a starting gun for you and your group every time. So that was pretty good. Oh, actually, let's say I ended up at the very front. They pulled the rope right in front of me to stop me from joining the batch in front of me. So, you know, I got to be at the front, which was kind of cool. It gave me a nice picture of the start line. But uh, run Disney races, they're a lot of fun. You know, I said this on uh, one of the Patreon trip reports, but, you know, Disney is an affinity group. People love Disney. And then there are also people who really love running. And so run Disney is like a combination of these two groups of people. So everyone who's there is really passionate about both things. So it was a really good vibe throughout. And then there's a lot of fun to be had in a run Disney race. There was characters all over the place. Every mile marker is a gigantic board with a character on it. So people were taking pictures in front of every single one of those. There are actually live characters that people stop to take pictures with and they run through them pretty quickly because you know you don't get signatures or anything you don't have to scan your magic band you just take a quick shot and then you keep running the other you know funny thing is people run in all sorts of costumes so i saw flynn rider and rapunzel two pairs of flynn riders and rapunzel's running in fact i saw one pair flag down the other pair so they could all take a picture together i saw a couple people running in like full body paint i couldn't tell like what they were supposed to be they they didn't look like disney characters to me but they got a shout out on um you know, they, they're showing videos of people who are starting to run. So that's all a lot of fun. There are various cheering spots because, you know, we ran all the way through the Magic Kingdom. Main Street was kind of lined. It was probably the tightest spot in the entire marathon, but Main Street was lined with spectators and they had us running along the side. And so it was really cool running towards the castle when it was all lit up because it was still dark then. We finished running through Epcot. It's just nice running through these different iconic Disney places. It really helps to, you know, I've run races back when I was healthy. I ran races that, you know, there's just nothing to see and there's like nothing to do. And it's much harder to get through 13 miles when there's just kind of nothing going on. But, you know, I knew that the the castle was coming up. I knew that eventually I would be passing by Spaceship Earth and there's characters all over the place and there's cast members stopping at various points cheering you on and everyone's just really positive so it was just a lot of fun oh we ran backstage at some parts and and one of the backstage places uh you know we ran past uh the dragon from the festival of fantasy parade which is not running right now but they also just set up like a random float with jafar on it and so jafar was just like yelling at us while we were running by which was pretty funny you know i just appreciated all these kind of little disney touches to the race That sounds like you had a great race, and I'm glad you finally got to do it, because this has been on the Disney bucket list for quite a while for you. Yes, longtime listeners will know I was signed up for 2020, but, uh, you know, I think it was riding Rock and Roller Coaster with you in October 2019 that broke my back (laughs) and uh, (laughs) made it so I couldn't race. Uh, I joke. Excuses, excuses. I joke, but that Rock and Roller Coaster sitting down and that that day was like oh that was the day i was like i think i actually have a back problem oh um, no and, and i was right <laughs> so i don't think i ever mentioned that to you but uh oh, geez. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a lot of fun. If you enjoy running, if you've run races before, you kind of know that that's something that's for you or not for you. Uh, Run Disney is a lot of fun. Actually, Steve from the DCL podcast and a couple of other Disney people, they are starting like a Run Disney focused podcast. So uh, right now, you know, I've been listening to it on the DCL podcast feed, but you should definitely check that out. You know, you don't have to run a half marathon. You don't have to run a full marathon. You can run a 5K. You can run a 10K. Or if you're crazy, you can run the Dopey, which is running the 5K, the 10K, the half marathon, and the marathon all four in a row. Don't know how people do that. I, I, don't, I don't know how people wake up at 3 a.m. every morning. It's just beyond me. I know that people think running 13 miles already is not their idea of fun, but the waking up at 3 a.m. is the part that really kills me. Yeah, I mean, I suppose if you kind of adjust yourself to that as a time zone for an extended period of time, it it might work out. But there was a person, I guess, who won every single one of the races, right? She was first in all of them, right? Yes, yes. So that's pretty cool. But the craziest thing to me about the people who run the Dopey, now that I think about it, is not that they wake up at 3 a.m. every day. It's that they all go to the parks and tour during the day, like I was saying, at like 5, 6 p.m., my legs just stopped working. I had only run a half marathon. I don't know how people who run the Dopey run every single day and then go enjoy the parks until, you know, I had a buddy who was running the Dopey. He would go back to his hotel by 6 or 7, but still, that's like 8 hours in the parks. When you're getting ready to run a marathon the next day, I just don't know how people do it. All the respect to the Dopey runners. Um, they deserve all six medals that they receive for that. Absolutely. All right, Joe. Well, let's close this out with a Disney do or don't. What do you have? All right. So my Disney do is related to just kind of what's going on at Disney right now in terms of worrying about COVID and stuff like that. I probably would not have gone on the trip if I hadn't been running the half marathon. And my Disney do is only do what you are comfortable with if you're going to Disney World right now. You might be comfortable with doing everything at Disney World. That's great. But what I found and what I was really happy to find was I was able to adjust my touring, my dining, even like my rope dropping to kind of a level that I was mostly comfortable with. There was a couple of situations where it was a little bit too tight for me, but I was able to wear my mask outside if I felt it was too tight. Everyone was really good about wearing masks inside and on inside rides. So don't feel pressure to you know go out of your way and go out of your comfort zone for whatever your comfort level is with COVID because it is doable right now at Disney. I did feel like it was a very flexible environment for being able to be kind of as protected or as free as you would like uh, with you know the one exception being you can't not wear your mask in the rides. Well, and you made it home and are COVID negative. So you it must have gone pretty well in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> yes, uh, I am COVID negative at home, but uh, for now, live in, live, <laughs> yeah, I live in a I live in a pretty hot zone. So we'll see how it goes. But yeah, I was I was glad that I went glad that I didn't cancel the trip again. It I just was not ready after having to cancel in 2020, even though Run Disney was giving full refunds this time. I, I just uh, didn't have it in me to do it again. So I was glad that I did it. All right. So thank you so much, everyone for listening. If you've been at Disney World recently, please let us know your experiences. You can email us DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com. Connect with us on Twitter at www.deciphered or find us on Facebook and Instagram, Disney Deciphered. Other than that, Leslie, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me and I will see you trying that Cheeto cheeseburger because it's not fair for only one of us to have to do it. Thanks, Joe.